quick house ad here for the Marshall Graham interviews. If you haven't been checking these shows out, what are you waiting for? Great evergreen content for this holiday time. Marshall has gotten great stuff from so many different people. Personal favorites include the interview with Randy Moss. The one with Dick Girardi was great. Uh, Sean Borman was absolutely fabulous. Uh, Maury Wolf and others. So much good stuff. You can find it over at InTheMoneyPodcast.com, just in the regular queue of podcasts. Or if you subscribe to our In The Money Media Black feed, they will all turn up in there. Check it out today. The Marshall Graham interviews only from In The Money Media. Hello and welcome to the In The Money Players Podcast. This is our show. We are recording on Friday, December 16th for the races of Saturday, December 17th. I'm your host, Peter Thomas Fornital, back with you from the Brooklyn Bunker once again. And we start off being joined by our uh, Naira stalwart. You read his analysis over at InTheMoneyPodcast.com. You hear him on these airwaves frequently. He is, of course, Nick Tamaro. Nick, what's going on? I'm doing great, Pete. Glad to be with you to talk about a few stakes on this uh Pretty fun 10 race card. Yeah, it's been fun partnering with uh, New York Thoroughbred Breeders this year, and they've got uh, some serious interest with some of these New York bred uh, stakes happening on the on the Saturday card. And it's interesting racing. Let's just dive right in, my friend. The pick six kicks off in race number five. We've got an allowance race for three-year-olds and up, going six furlongs. Big favorite potentially in this spot. Uh, curious to hear how you are planning to light this candle. Yeah, you know, interestingly, I've been waiting for King Angelo to get a shot back on the dirt. There are two divisions of this one other than on the 10 race card, and he drew into the significantly tougher one, in part because of Sheriff Bianco and in part because of his running style. He wants to be a uh, a more forwardly placed horse. The reason why I'm I'm kind of harping on him getting an opportunity back on dirt is because he's run on dirt twice and actually run very well both times. And prior trainer Phil Serpy just kept running him on the turf over and over because it looked like he might be maybe just as good, if not a little bit better on the turf. There are, of course, a lot of opportunities on the turf. So he lands here in a race where it looks like there's a little bit too much speed for him, though I wonder if Prisoner is, is still Prisoner and he's going to show enough speed to protect that inside post. It might enable Manny Franco to go ahead and get the lead. That would make him dangerous. The horse to beat by a mile is Sheriff Bianco. I mean, you want to talk about a horse that was on the wrong surface for his whole career. This horse made... Uh, nine starts with Wesley Ward and and only got to the dirt, never got to the dirt and has only gotten to the dirt in two starts since Linda Rice claimed him and he's just run incredibly well. He looks like a potential stakes horse. So he's clearly the one to beat. I'm going to use him and King Angelo as A's. I'll back up with 12th man and uh, keep it simple. All right. 12th man, which number? Help me with my notes here. The seven. Yeah. So three, six is A's, seven is a backup. I, I had Sheriff Bianco as the obvious uh, top pick in here. I do want to mess around with Prisoner. I know that you're probably right in terms of, uh, you know, the best days being behind. But looking at those pace figures from the last day, this is a shrewd barn that does well off these type of layoffs. And I like the look of these last couple of drills. Maybe this is one of these New York races that looks like it has a ton of speed on paper where that speed doesn't materialize. I wanted some ones in the mix as well as uh, pressing up number six, um, uh, Sheriff Bianco in this spot. We'll see how it plays out as we kick this these uh, pick six sequence off. We move to race number six. Where we've got these two-year-old maidens going a mile on the dirt and a field of 10 signed on. 
I was going to try to get pretty narrow here. I thought that there were two runners I wanted. One of them, the one I'll put on top, number three, Tappet Trice. Well bet on debut, didn't break well, still ran on nicely. I think this horse is bound to show more speed and should step up from that first racing experience. And then number six, Slip Mahoney, very much like the top pick, had a little bit of an adventure, um, or the kind of trip anyway, I should say, that often pretends improvement next out. Slow away, and you can sort of see him figuring things out around the turn, and the horse finished up well, should go forward. I thought it might be as simple as three and six in race six. How do you see it, my friend? Yeah, I didn't see it as much more complicated than that. Kind of two, three, six total for me. I think I'm probably going to use them somewhat equally. Um, I didn't think that Summer Cause ran significantly better than Tapatrice, but I thought he ran well enough to uh, to be a, a you know maybe a horse that you favor just slightly. And the horse, the only horse that I'm worried about outside of those three, since you talked about the other two, is the nine Mercante. This is a really, really good Bill Mott pedigree. This is a horse who took an awful lot of money. I understand it was a seven horse race, but this horse went off two to one. Now gets blinkers second time out. Maybe I still have some. Uh, I'm still a little leery of Mott after getting beaten the last race yesterday with a twelve to one shot that ran off the screen. I'll probably use the nine as a backup. I'll use the seven Abstract as a backup as well. They gave a lot of money. For this uh, son of Curlin, 975 grand. He is out of a dam who was a multiple two year old stake winner. I guess the only negative there is Romero Mirage being on the horse. And that's nothing against Romero. You just don't expect that Todd's going to put Romero Mirage on a horse that, uh, that, that might be well meant. But I'm going to try and cover a few more bases there. You'll get um, compensated in the price for sure in that, in that instance. You certainly so should, yeah. If you're playing it as a spread race, I think that's a quite a sensible include. Stakes action begins with the New York Stallion series two-year-old fillies in the next one race number seven we're going seven we've got a field of 11 and nick will keep it with you well i mean there's only one thing that i think you can be certain of in here pete and that's if the one le bon tom runs back to her last race there's zero percent chance she's losing so it's just a question of you know is this a horse that's now taken a massive leap forward since joining mike maker's barn and i mean that's possible we know that norm cassie does uh does a good job himself but maybe this is a filly who just fits make her style a little bit better looking like she wants more ground as she has clearly improved since she got more ground. She was a good winner last time out. She didn't make out great at the post position draw, but I think what you, what it boils down to here is look at what she's facing. You know, it just, nobody in here looks very scary. Forces sweetheart is probably the biggest danger. Uh, Safi Joseph Jr. Shipping this daughter of the Lieutenant up off a maiden win on debut where she was two to one and just ran away from them late He has a very good record with two-year-old second-time starters coming off of maiden wins on the dirt, 44% with a 230 ROI. Uh, Brad Cox has Midtown Lights off a maiden win. They both feel like backups, one on top for me, and 3410 is backups. Yeah, there feels like a race where beyond the top one, you can get creative, and that's what I tried to do. I mean, I did – I list Le Bon Temps second because – I don't know, maybe I was just being too clever, but my concern, obviously on numbers, the horse is supposed to win and have the field over a barrel at that. But the trip could be tricky here from that draw and so much more speed than in the previous run. So she's either going to do something new, run a lot faster early and see if she has any sting in that finish or she's going to be farther back. Can she produce that same effort with a different type of trip? Probably, but I'm not going to single the half other calf clever maybe idea I had in here was to take a look at the two Clover Street, just based on that expected fast pace and the running style. Thought maybe she started the run a little bit early last time. Would love to see a pure hold up ride. Now the addition of blinkers suggests that, you know, maybe they're going to 
be a little bit more forward, but I'm hoping they're just to get her to focus and they just commit to uh, the closing running style. I was thinking could make some noise at a price in here. And then, so of the two and the one is A's. And then I was going to take a, a, a shot with the eight central speed as a horse that maybe they'd think about a change of tactics. I thought that debut run was really promising. Just got cooked on the lead last time. More or less a big price to throw in. You mentioned the other logicals. I'm going to be focusing on the, the two and the one on the A line and the eight on the B line in race number seven. And we'll move on to more uh, stakes action with the Alex M. Robb going a mile with 100,000 in the pot and a field of eight scheduled to go postward. I like Bereze in here. This horse is in good form, flow upgrade coming out of the last. And I think this horse is going to like going shorter with a fast pace in front. I really like this horse. I was confident making a lone A in this spot and taking a little bit of a stand here. The three perfect Munnings as a horse I had to include just on numbers has to work out the right kind of trip. We'll see uh, if that can happen. But those were the two I was the most interested in. And the Rob, how do you see it? Yeah, it, it didn't look like much any more complicated than that. Berezi is clearly the horse to beat. Um, our, our mutual friend and friend of the, of the network, Marshall Graham, has uh, his best New York bread going right now, Seafoam just slightly better than Looms Boldly, of course, who is uh, coming out of a fourth in the Empire Classic. And, you know, mar- much to Marshall's chagrin, they shortened this race from a mile to a, mi- a mile and an eighth to a mile. And the problem is that it ended up inviting in a bunch of horses like What Do You Think Now and Perfect Munnings that are really more sprinty types that could potentially run Seafoam off his feet as he's more of a, of a traditional router that, um, that you would expect, you know, <clears throat> going a lot, quite a bit longer. I just think Berezi is the now horse. I think he fits very well, and um, and he should be in a good position just off the pace. I, I will admit, I was intrigued by Rob Atras claiming market alert, and it looked to me like market alert was probably the type that in Atras's hands could get to a, a New York bred stake race and really be dangerous. I mean, he is a New York bred stake winner all in all. He ended up running him on December 9th, and he's bringing him right back eight days later. This feels like something that he was doing with a bit of intent. And I wonder if maybe his plan was to get a little bit more speed into market alert by having him chase the pace at seven eighths and then come back at a mile. I hate that he drew the rail, but I just think this might be a cagey move by a really high percentage trainer that knows what he's doing with horses off the claim box. So I wanted to use him as well. My perfect Munnings worry is I really don't know if he wants a mile, but I do think he's a little bit too good and his form is too good recently to exclude him. So I'm going to loan a Bereze and I'm going to use the, uh, the one, three, four, and six as backup. One, three, four, six, and eight as backups, and just try and get through it with the main horse, and uh, let you know one of these other horses require me to be right every other leg. I don't mind that approach in a, in a sequence like this, and I'm you know I'm I'm not going to go too deep on the backup line, but I but I, I definitely think it's a sensible uh, it's a sensible idea if you're willing to to spread a little bit. Back to uh, New York Stallion Series action in race number nine, seven furlongs. 500,000 in the pot this time around. Uh, field of 11 going postward. Nick, who do you like? You know, the, the quandary here, of course, is what are you supposed to do with Vacation Dance? Because this is a horse who's run three times prior all on the turf. The pedigree on the dam side, especially, is a little bit more geared towards the it's, – it's very modest for dirt. I shouldn't say that it's geared towards turf. It's just not very, uh, very dirt-oriented at all. But the horse is training forwardly. John Kimmel is off to a nice start at the meet. 
He's got a lot of speed. He's got an outside post, and he really looks like he's loose in this field. So I'm going to use him as an A. I'm going to take a little bit of a chance with the eight lifetime of Chance, who I thought ran well when second to Looms Boldly last time out, came from off the pace, probably could have been a little bit more engaged early. That was a, a pretty pretty slow-paced race early, so I want to give him one shot. So eight and 11 is A's. I'm going to back up with the five Zapruder, who made a big, wide middle move last time out before flattening out. I just... There's nobody in here otherwise on the dirt that really scares me. I don't think Jackson Heights can work out the trip from the rail. The only other one I had, I've I've got it similar. I, I did I went ahead and put lifetime of chance on top. I thought that Bustino Santino was worth taking a look at out of the um, Looms Boldly race as well. You know, we talked about it, I don't know if it was last week or recently, we talked about that the form of that race is working out okay. So I kind of wanted both of those runners and lifetime of chance, the the, the joke I wrote in my notes is he loomed boldly against looms boldly. That was a nice looking move. You put that in the hopper with the expected trip from good attacking position. I was happy going with him as, as a, the top pick a vacation dance. I mean, the siblings, I was just digging through the formulator numbers combined four for 2,600. That's not horrible. The other thing I thought was interesting is the time form us algorithm didn't mind the horse for dirt just looks too obviously loose. I'm going to include vacation dances today as well. And then backup wise, I thought it was the two and the five, um, you know, Zapruder ran better than it looked last time. And it's weird to see Mott coming back in just nine days. The cutback might suit just enough angles on a horse. who's going to be a price that I wanted to, uh, I wanted to include, include eight, 11, two, five for me. And with that, we move on to our pay leg a race. that gave me a little bit of a headache. Two-year-old New York bred maiden claimers, $25,000, six furlongs on the dirt. Nick, how are we going to get paid? Well, I think you're, you're supposed to, Take what's obvious here and just go with Joyful Ghost. <laughs> That's what I concluded, actually, yeah, after that. I'm I glad think, to hear you say that. <laughs> I think it's sort of the only thing you can do because as you go through the alternatives, it's like, oh, oh, <laughs> I mean, it is very hard to warm up to any of these horses. I could hear an argument for Wayhill Farm Road who is uh, his first time Rob Atris. But, you know, you look at the at the situation here. I mean, this is obviously a horse that Christophe Clement more or less gave away. Atris gets him. And after two maiden special weight races where he took a bunch of money, they're going right to 25, right? They're not stopping at 40. They're not even trying. They're not even contemplating maiden special weight race. They're going right to the bottom. And, and, and I mean, the only other horse that's shown any kind of life is MCRR. His last race was brutal. You know, he was a little bit wide. Maybe being inside was better that day. Being forwardly placed was advantageous. But, you know, it's also hard to believe he's going to run back to those two races prior and necessarily be good enough. So, you know, that's why you're supposed to just take Joyful Ghost, in my opinion. Cam Duke showed speed before fading last time out against Bobby the Tank. He's got three dirt races that speed figure-wise put him in the conversation, more so on Time Form US than anything else. I could use him as a backup. Um, I, I would probably go with something in the range of one, six and eight as backups. But if I got alive to joyful ghost, I'd feel okay. Agreed. That's the only number I listed in the end caught money against maiden special weight, suggesting maybe there's some hidden ability here. Broke poorly. There wasn't asked for much subsequently dirt's a question mark, but this barn is nearly automatic bet. Second time out blinks go on dropping and it just looks a poor group. I'm going to try to just make my pick six a very complicated win bet on the four joyful ghost on Saturday. Nick, I understand you're going to have a few days of R&R coming up. Did I read that correctly? Something something of the sort. I think I'll still be doing plenty of work. But yeah, we're in Las Vegas for the weekend. 
I'm taking my wife to see Adele tomorrow night, so it should be very awesome. That's great stuff. We expect a full report. I'm sure you guys will have an awesome time. Give uh, give my best to the family, and we will be talking soon. Sounds great, my friend. Thank you so much. Daytime thoroughbred racing continues at Los Alamitos with stakes racing action featuring the top juveniles in the sport. The Los Alamitos Futurity is set for this Saturday, December 17th, with points on the line to the Kentucky Derby. And on Sunday, December 18th, top two-year-olds will race in the King Glorious Stakes. Don't miss our NHC qualifier on Saturday the 17th. Total cost is $500 per entry for the live bankroll handicapping contest. The fee covers $100 that will be placed in the contest prize pool and then $400 for wagering. You could win a berth to the 2023 National Horse Players Championship. A lot of sharp players. Target Los Al is a place to qualify. Good deal out there. Daytime racing continues at Los Alamitos through Sunday, December 18th. Don't miss out. Next up on the show, we head out to the West Coast to bring in a man who's been covering the Southern California circuit effectively for us all year long on InTheMoneyPodcast.com. He's Dean Kepler. Dean, what's going on? Pete, how's it going? Good to be back on again. Yeah, the time of holiday concerts. We were talking about that. Did you enjoy the performance the other night? Yeah, absolutely. It's um, you know, it's always good to get out and see your kids uh, perform, so... And, you know, puts a little holiday spirit into you, too, as well. So. <laughs> which, can help, which can help a hardened, uh, hardened horse player such as, yeah. our, such as ourselves. We're going to talk about this Los Al Pick 6. Very happy to be partnered with them for this, uh, this meet that takes over at this time in December. But we're going to talk about a race that's not in the Pick 6 first. It's the Grade 2 Los Alamitos Futurity for the two-year-olds going a mile and a 16th and a field of five going postward and uh, stop me if you've heard this one bob bafford has some pretty strong representation with three of the five will it be one of his that you go with in this spot are you looking in another direction yeah pete i think he's he's won this race like 12 or 13 times so um if it's not one of bob's three i'd be uh completely surprised in here um i wouldn't be surprised if it was any of the three but i guess of the trail the five arabian lion um $600,000 purchase by Justify. He's drawn outside. He's got speed. Uh, he's posted two sharp buyer figures to start his career. He's uh, certainly trained well since his last run-up finish at Keeneland. And, um, you know, he's obviously bred to, to stretch out today. So of the trio, I think the five and uh, following that, I guess, would be the number two, Carmel Road, who was uh, – he was trounced in the Breeders' Futurity. But that was a really tough race with a lot of horses that have come back to win out of that October event. And he's got, you know, some sharp, sharp drills, which is pretty familiar with this barn. Um, best of 35 furlongs and 59 flat on December 9th. And then, you know, followed by, you know, number three, Fort Bragg, who completes the backward trifecta here. Coming off an impressive uh, victory November 4th. It's a tappet colt here. And, you know, uh, a lot of times here, it's not the logical one of, uh, you know, when Baffert has multiple horses, sometimes it's the better price. So. But it looks, you know, it looks like the, the race runs to the favorite here, number five, Arabian Lion. We will see how it plays out in the Baffert team scrimmage there in race four. We kick off the pick six in race five, where we've got $20,000 maiden claimers, fillies and mares going a mile with a field of nine going postward. How are we going to get this pick six kicked off? Yeah, Pete, this looks like a tough, a tough race to start the series here. And, uh, I must say, I'm, uh, I'm happy to see the $2 traditional pick six being old school as I am. You yep. don't see that very often anywhere, anywhere. So uh, it's, you know, it's great that Los Al still does that. And I'm, I'm sure I have some 
people in my corner that agree with me there. Yeah, um, I, you know, I, I went, didn't do anything too creative here. I went to number one Trojan Way um, simply because he's he's has the best buyers in this race. He's posted back-to-back 60s, which is above par for his class level. He has speed in the rail, and he's coming off a two-month freshening. Um, if you're looking for some alternatives, the eight market, he's really shown with on his last two starts, but he takes that big drop from maiden special weight to maiden claimers. And, you know, he's eligible to uh, to sprinkle life here this afternoon with the class drop and the new barn. And perhaps maybe the two Parco I would use third. So one, eight, two for me in the fifth. We'll get things kicked off with one, eight and two. Yeah. The only thing I don't love about Trojan way is just the post. If she were drawn outside, I'd absolutely love her in this spot. I do think it's sensible to maybe try to conjure uh, some backups there and we'll see. It's not every day that you don't want to be down inside at Los Al, but it's certainly enough of them that it's, uh, that it's notable race. Number six is $6,500 claimers going five furlongs on the dirt and a full field signed on in this spot. What numbers will be on your tickets? Yeah, this, uh, Pete, this looks like another, you know, potential spread race uh, for me that I had a really hard time in here. I went with the three who set a pressure pace and faded to the third, uh, just about a week ago, eight days ago, actually, you know, the Gelling switches to, you know, top rider today. Um, my only concern is that he has to avoid a pace duel, and perhaps he could work out a trip. Behind them, I use number six, Minoso, who's won three or four against Cheaper. He's also starting for New Barn today off the claim, coming off a Golden Gate synthetic victory. And then his stablemate, the seven, Woe Buddy, is another one I used in here. So I went three, six, seven. But if you can certainly afford to spread a little further in this open leg, I would do so because I didn't have any real uh, strong opinion, in, you know, in this event here. Minoso's interesting. Running against cheaper up north, but I mean, gosh, you cannot question the form the horse is in, and, and definitely a, a winning kind for this level. How much do you downgrade a horse making that jump from? you know, the mid, those mid $3,000, $4,000 claimers back to the 6,500 level. Yeah. I, I think it all depends on, you know, depends on the circuit, you know, certainly a horse coming from golden gate, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking maybe that 3,200 kind of fits well here at the 6,250, you know, level, you know, and you know, that gilding certainly comes in here in great form having, you know, one three of his last four. So I think you got to use the six on your ticket. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm with you there. Let's talk race seven, where we go up to $20,000 claimers, fillies and mares, five furlongs, and another field of 10. What do you like? I went to the number six here, uh, Bonita Leona, who showed speed and tired going six furlongs uh, back in November 6. I think she should appreciate cutting back to the five furlong trip here. And I like the fact that trainer Steve Knapp uh, clicks that it's almost 25% at Losau with second off the claim runners. I think it's definitely a price source to use in here. Number two, uh, Kaylee's Candy is another one at the six to one morning line. I think, you know, deserves a look in here. She's won two straight under the lights since uh, returning off a long layoff of nearly two years, I believe. And um, she's also, she can prove that she can handle this distance as well. And, you know, of course, she projects to be close to lead here. And I'm going to throw her on the ticket as well. And my third pick would be number four, Keep Your Coil returns to you know her preferred old today where she registered a win and a runner-up finish two and three back but you know pete this looks like a tough sequence and another tough race here yeah this is one where i feel like there, there, there's a bunch of ways you can go it just looks it just looks competitive but it feels like you've got uh you've got the right numbers circled it feels like the right horses to have and i think three that are eligible to get to very good trips in this spot 
Let's talk race eight, starter allowances, going a mile on the dirt. You talk about the competitiveness of the sequence. A lot of it's just down to uh, we've got big competitive fields at Los Al. I think this is the racing fans will be impressed if you don't always look at Los Al and you look at Los Al for this Saturday. I mean, this, this is as good racing as is happening uh, as is happening anywhere. We got these stakes in New York that we talked about earlier, but you know, good competitive fields out at Los Al, not to be uh, forgotten about. Where do you think you're going to go in here? Yeah, I mean, if uh, my pace projection is correct in here, I think this is going to be a fast pace, and that could you know set up for number six Hoodlum, who returns to the main track here. He registered his lone victory here back in May at Santa Anita. So he hasn't done much since with several turf attempts, but I think he's going to be running, you know, running late here. And I, like I said, I think it's going to be a projected swift early pace here. If that comes to fruition, I think uh, Hoodlum has a chance in here. He certainly has a time form U.S. figure of a 107, which is way, you know, way high as far as you know, the closers in this race. And I think he's going to be motoring through traffic late. Uh, my next selection was number three, So I'm Told. He stretches back out today. He co-tops the field's best last out buyer, which is a 77, with his recent runner-up effort at Del Mar. And then I perhaps will use the number two, Setacento. Uh, he hasn't been out since Snag for 25000 back in June when finishing second here. But, you know, he, he actually returns protector here for a good barn. So I'll go 6-3-2 in the eighth. I like the case on Hoodlum. I agree. There appears to be tons of pace. You go back and that win jumps off the page. And it was a similar scenario. Going a mile, it was at Santa Anita, but still going a mile, fast pace in front, was able to get the job done. Gosh, I wish we could get a little bit more than uh, than 9-2. Uh, I'm not sure if that'll materialize or not, but definitely Hoodlum looks like the best closer in the one who could take advantage of that scenario the way we think it's both going to play out. Race number nine, we've got Calbred Phillies and Mares. They're three and up. It's an allowance race. It's six furlongs. Just eight this time, but we'll still take that in uh, modern horse racing when it comes to field size. What do you like? I think if fans are, that are playing the pick six here are looking for a single, this is where I'm going to go, Pete, as my single on this ticket is number five, Carmen Miranda, who was elevated to victory via DQ and most recent turf start. November 25th, uh, when she crossed the wire second. Now makes her second start off the extended layoff for Phil D'Amato. She's run well over the main track here, uh, gets Pratt. And uh, a lot of, you know, turf horses uh, run well here, you know, at Los Al, moving to the main track. And, you know, in a tough sequence to find a single, I think this was, you know, I'm going to land on here, number five, Carmen Miranda. And, and you know, hope we get maybe eight to five uh, as our single in there. If you know if you have a bigger bankroll and you want to use some uh, alternative forces on your ticket, number two Tiger Spice was a beaten favorite disappointment in last time at Del Mar, but was extremely sharp in his first two career starts. Uh, she moves inside today, shortens up a half a furlong, and she could potentially uh, work out a nice trip. And then I went to number three Starship Defiant, uh, who has not been out since uh, his wire to wire October score back at Santa Anita, where he was snagged for ten thousand dollars there by trainer Bob Hess. But, you know, he must be respected off that decent buyer number he earned that day. But as far as the pick six sequence goes, I'm going to be single in number five, Carmen Miranda. Dean hoping Carmen Miranda can samba her way into the winner's circle in the uh, Calbred allowance race that goes as number nine. Let's talk about the nightcap, our pay leg allowance race once again, one mile once again, full field once again. Dean, how are we going to get paid? Pete, I'm going to use uh, the two Peter Miller trained horses in here. Uh, number three, Beef Winslow, and number five here. Um, 
I had a hard time separating the two. Perhaps the five looks best over a stable mate coming off a strike and second place finish going a mile at Delmore where he earned the field's best last out 88 buyer. And I think, you know, he could get the nice, uh, nice pace in here. If uh, the early pace comes together, like I think it will be, he should be picking off horses late and beef Winslow, as I mentioned before, has been freshened. He returns as a first time gelding here for Miller. Uh, he finished third when last seen him back in September and also, it's important to note that he's reunited with his winning, winning rider this afternoon. Doc Adams, the one uh, super sharp right now, having won three straight and was a strong one up here in his lone star back in July. But as my, as my two horses I'm going to use, I'm going to use the Miller Miller Barn here and hope you know hope to catch one of them. I like it. I'll put the three and the five on top in the notes I send out to the plus people. I will mention the one as a potential backup. Dean, really appreciate your time today. Appreciate all the work you do. Folks should be checking it out every Southern California racing day on inthemoneypodcast.com. Are you getting excited? I mean, I know we're, we're talking about the underrated Los Al meet, but I think you know a lot of horse players have December 26th uh, circled on their calendar as well for the start of the Santa Anita meet. Uh, absolutely, Pete. And, you know, from here, the uh, jockey, jockey colony is going to be quite competitive. You know, a lot of top riders uh, shipping in uh, for that, you know, for the meet. So, you know, it should be great. Really looking forward to it. We were talking about that before with Kazushi Kimura, obviously Frankie DeTori heading out there. John Velasquez looks to be doing his thing. I think it's going to be a lot of fun to follow and you'll be covering it for us over on the website. We look forward to that. We look forward to having you on again soon. Sounds great, Pete. Talk to you soon. Thanks again. It pays to race Maryland Breds in Maryland right now at Laurel Park. Maryland Breds racing in open overnight races receive a 15% owner bonus and a 15% developer bonus for finishing first, second, or third. In addition, Maryland Breds in $45,000 maiden claiming races are eligible to waive the claiming price. There's no better time to breed and race in Maryland, and you can learn more about the advantages of breeding and owning Maryland Breds at MarylandThoroughbred.com. Next up on the show, we welcome in our man who comes here to talk about uh, the JRA from time to time. You also know him from his role up at Woodbine, Klaus Ebner. Klaus, how are things? Hey, Pete, how are you? Things are good, man. Getting battened down for the hatches. We had some some frustrating news in the house today. Perrin's Christmas concert she'd been preparing for diligently for the last few months. She she woke up with a temperature. She's not going to be able to play. But we are we're we're weathering that storm and uh, going to try to come up with some fun uh, homebound activities instead. And and of course, uh, looking forward to a big weekend of sports between some exciting racing and the World Cup final. What's 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 been going on with you? Uh, no one's scratch sick in my house, but um, <laughs> you know we're 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 doing okay. And uh, like you, just trying to get ready for the holidays. Um, I think around here we're all. You know, very happy with the numbers we saw on both the thoroughbreds and standardbreds for the year. So that's really good. The announcement of the King's Plate. So, yeah, I think for us, a lot, of, a lot to look forward to for, for 23. Was that – what do you understand from behind the scenes about the, the King's Plate, Queen's Plate thing? Was it an easy decision in the end to honor the history of the race or was there a lot of back and forth on it? Yeah, I, I never say it's an, it was an easy decision just because of the history of the Queen's Plate. And the fact you know it was run it was run for you know seventy years it was or fifty years, um, so you know for us it was never an easy thing because you know Woodbine's been synonymous for the most part for the, for those that aren't in their seventies or eighties um, with the Queen's Plate. So for us it's kind of our our marquee event. Everyone knows that. So you know it was a tough decision, but I think the fact that you know we, we've always had that sort of tie to the monarchy in the UK, 
that tie into uh, British racing, if you will, that kind of came over and, and, you know, established racing over here in North America, or at least in Canada for the most part, you know, I think it was important to kind of maintain that uh, connection to the monarchy in, in the UK. And, you know, we certainly hope, and I know the invitation's gone out, so we certainly hope that the king or his consort or anyone else will uh, attend the first at first running in a very long time of, of the king's plate. That would be good to see. And it does seem like uh, the king's consort, uh, Camilla, is very into her racing and, in, and into, you know, keeping the keeping the, the, that connection going. So that, that would be fun to see for sure. And the decision about the race date was made as well. Tell folks uh, when we can expect the, the king's plate. It, I don't want to say inaugural running because there were some <laughs> back in the day, but the first one yes. in a very long time. Yeah, yes, exactly, Pete. So that'll be run on August the 20th of next year. So... You know, if you're at Saratoga, it's a nice little jaunt over. I think it's about a five-hour drive. So, by all means, if you're uh, if you're taking in the Saratoga meet, you know, I, I'm not sure what else is that, what's happening that uh, that Sunday. But by all means, you know, take the drive across the I-90, I believe it is, and uh, through Buffalo, up the Niagara Falls, and maybe you take a stop at the Niagara Falls and come see us at Woodbine next year. We might have to do that. You know, it's it'd be the Sunday after Alabama. I don't know. Maybe we go halfway at night and then uh, and then the rest of the way in the morning. But it is it is interesting. All right, let's. We've been talking about places uh, east of the East Coast. Let's go farther <laughs> east, and uh, we'll, we'll get to the JRA Big Race this weekend. But I want to start off looking back a little bit at the big Hong Kong International night. They, you know, there were many out there, including yourself, who were predicting big success for the Japanese contingent there. Um, and they did, they weren't unsuccessful, but maybe not fully the result you were looking for, at least from a betting point of view. Yeah, I, I know I was uh, going in with both fists on the Japanese entrance. Once I saw who was actually sent over there, uh, I was pretty confident that, you know, they could pull off at least two wins on the card, in my opinion. But, you know, the uh, the locals, uh, if you will, had other, had other plans. So, you know, if you look at, for instance, um, we'll start off with, I guess we'll start off with the good news first in the form of the Vaz. So very nice win for Midwin Maryland, uh, Damian Lane aboard. Damian Lane has, has had that great connection with the Japanese runners, not only in Japan, but also in Dubai and then here in Hong Kong now. And yeah, he had a, a, a very impressive win aboard when Maryland, five-year-old mayor, who's, you know, it, she's always found some a little tougher in Japan, but she's been always been right, right there and near the wire. So I'm, I was very glad to see her kind of get that, that, big win on the international stage with Damian Lane. And then you have that sort of hard trying, hard knocking glory Vaz, who was trying to get his third win in, in the, in the race uh, made his run, but came up a little short, but uh, you know, again, tip of the hat to glory Vaz in that race for, you know, again, he put in his effort, finished the a very respectable third. You know, if we go back to the other races there, another card, the sprint, um, I was kind of high on make a yell and I thought she would, she ran okay, but then, you know, got stuck in traffic, you know, respectable fifth. And then, you know, the other three didn't really do much in the form of Gendarm, Naran Huleg, and Resistencia. Uh, Resistencia, you know, it may be time for her for the breeding shed. I know she's been going since a two-year-old and, and always maintaining that high high form, but uh, haven't heard, but I think really maybe time for her to hit the breeding shed. And then in the mile, uh, I think the big news in the mile for me was just the form of this, the, I think it was the day of the scratching of Salios out of the mile. Uh, for me, he was, I thought, Japan's, one of Japan's, best chances in the race but the other two were no slouches in the form of down scorpion and chanel meister but both of them you know didn't pick up their feet uh you know I, i'm not sure what the issue issue was for either horse but uh they finished way back in the field and then when you got to the cup i i just thought this was a slam dunk for me and yeah i know that uh 
you know, the, the winner in there um, uh, for the, the cup, um, you know, he was local horse. He was the favorite uh, in the form of Rantic Warrior. You know, I, I know that, uh, you know, I know he was a good horse. I just thought the Japanese horse would be better in that event. And sure enough, uh, the, I was wrong. The Hong Kong horse was just much the best there in form of Rantic Warrior. You know, Dan on the Kid ran his, ran his race in a re- really respectable second. Uh, but, you know, he was not catching the winner that day. For me, the disappointment was really just behind the Japanese horses that ran. You know, Pantalassa, usually Pete has been a, a tearaway sort of horse. But, you know, he would just, he started okay. He, he set a kind of controlled pace. Yeah, you know that that he, he's he's done it before. He did that in in uh, in Dubai when he when he that he did in that event. But um, I don't know. It just he didn't run his race, and then Le Papale, who's in there as well, got injured in the race, and then you know Jay Glyph and Jack Dor just didn't run their races, finishing uh, sixth and seventh respectively. So you know, on the whole, good to see a uh, a win by Win Maryland, uh, a great run by Dan on the Kid in the Cup, but um, definitely you know the the local horses put on a show. Romantic Warrior was so impressive. Sean Borman, our resident Hong Kong expert, uh, was super impressed, told me that on his figure scale came back like a 111 buyer equivalent. This is a horse to keep an eye on, and it sounds like we may may now be looking at a Romantic Warrior Golden 60 California Spangle showdown toward uh, the end of January in the Group 1 Stewards Cup over there. That's certainly a a mouthwatering prospect of a clash. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, and after seeing them all run uh, very impressively on the the international card, I, I'll, I'll certainly be tuning into that race and uh, and throwing a few bucks down because I'm sure one of those three will go off at uh, some some juicy odds. No doubt about it. All right, let's turn our attention to this weekend in Japan, Saturday night into Sunday morning. Uh, what are we? What do we have to look forward to? Sure. So this is the kind of the, the main feature race for the two-year-old Colts on the calendar in the form of the grade one Asahi High Futurity. It's a flat mile at Hanshin. And Pete, you know, I know you, I know you and I have been kind of talking about this almost at nauseum now with, uh, you know, what who's going to be the next heir apparent sire in Japan and also familiar pedigrees to us here in North America. And this race is no exception. So we have a, a really broad spread field in here. And as I mentioned, you know, with, with, with there being no more deep impact, um, it's going to be kind of, you know, who's going to fill in his boots and shoes to be the next sort of big sire in Japan. And, you know, we have here two in the race, two by Frankel, for instance. Uh, you have some, you know, sort of a North American bloodlines in the form of a horse by Greyfong, a, hor- a horse also by Bolt de Oro. So um, interesting there. And then something you also don't see is in Japan is, a, you know, a turf horse by Discreet Cat. So certainly some pedigrees there that you know everyone will be familiar with uh, here in north america and you know out of all the horses though most of the the ones that are favored are, are, are if you want to call them you know local or japanese bred and two of the top contenders in here are coming off of a run in the the great two daily high nisai stakes uh and those two right now would be dan on touchdown and all parfait um all parfait was a winner of that event last time out uh, over the same course and distance. He really had things as only on the front end last time out and held off the late charging down on touchdown. Uh, he drew the three in here, but there is a horse in here. You know, we're kind of speaking about Pantalassa being a tearaway horse, but we may have another another tearaway horse in Japan in the form of Granite, who last time out in, in his race, in his prep race, uh, Granite had about a, a 10-length lead turning for home and then just got beaten late in his prep. Uh, so All Parfait will have a bit of a challenge here. And another tie-in, if you want to talk about all parfait, is that he's by he's out of the first crop of Real Steel, and Real Steel. Well, guess what? He's a full brother to Love's Only You, 
Um, so again, we, we all have that kind of form reference. We kind of say, okay, well, uh, this is, you know, Love's Only You's full brother. That's now a sire in Japan. Uh, and those who don't know, Real Steel was winner of the Dubai Turf in, in 2016 and also around for multiple grade one events. So, you know, again, lots of pedigree references there. Uh, if you're looking at Down on Touchdown uh, by Lord Kanaloa out of the grade stakes winning mare, Epic Love. And that one should certainly uh, relish the distance of a mile and probably will want longer. Um, the favorite, though, Pete, I think is going to be in a, a cult in the form of uh, Dolce Moore. Leads from post two on Sunday. He's by rulership, best known for winning. You know, we're talking about Hong Kong again, so another tie-in. So rulership, best known for winning the uh, 2012 QE2 Cup in Hong Kong. And this one's out of the 2013 Japanese 1,000 Guineas uh, Mayor Ayusan. So that one there, I think, based on his last effort um, in the Grade 3 Saudi Cup, Saudi Royal Cup, rather, was I, I think that was an impressive effort for for me for for rulership. Uh, sorry, for uh, Dolce Mora by rulership, uh, and I think that he's he seems to me like the real deal based on that effort. So, you know, I think those are the main contenders. Uh, if you're looking for a bit of a price, I, I do have one in the form of number sixteen, Corpus Christi. That's one for our Christian and Texas fans. Um, you know, dwelt at the start last time out in a seven furlong first level allowance, trailed the field by about six lengths. And then came on with a impressive turn of foot to win quite easy. You know, it's one of those things where it's impressive to see a two-year-old botch the start, spot the field six lengths, and then come on for a, a very impressive win. You know, he, I think he'll be fifteen to twenty-one in here. He's he has the breeding to do it in terms of this this field in terms of class. He's by Epiphania out of the family of a multiple Grade One winning dirt stayer in the form of Vermilion. So. You know, has that going for him? And guess what? His his trainer also won the two-year-old Philly race, the great one, last week. So a um, bit of a price there in the form of Corpus Christi for me, but I, I do think that Dolce Moore could be the real deal. Nice. David Egan over to ride Corpus Christi from uh, yes, sir. early info I'm seeing. So that's a fun fun one from some of our international racing fans. Had the pleasure of meeting him at uh, at, at Royal Ascot and uh, obviously a jockey with great ability and fun to see that cross-pollination with some of the, the, the European riders at this time of, of year over there. We're going to have another storyline of the, that ilk on our shores come a boxing day with Frankie Dettori riding at Santa Anita this, this winter. That's going to be fun to see. Well, Klaus, for full info, folks can check back. You know, I'm not, you know, you've given us some, some terrific ideas of how the race may unfold. In terms of your official selections, folks can go back on Saturday in the moneypodcast.com. They can get the inline past performances and, you know, have you selections from you and the team. I know you guys have had some good success this year on there and we look forward to finishing up in a big way. Thank you for today. And we've got at least one more uh, JRA segment before it's all said and done in 2022. So we don't have to wish you a happy holidays just yet, but, but I will say we appreciate you. Yeah, thanks, Pete. And, and and one thing of note to tie everything in with a nice little bow is uh, Kazushi Kimura is also going to be riding at Sanita as well. So we have that <laughs> Japanese right. tie into Sanita right there. So yeah, it's a, it's it's, it's going to be an interesting colony to follow with those new faces. That's for sure. All right, I will thank Klaus one more time. We'll thank all of the guests on today's show. Most of all, I want to thank all of you, the listeners, 
for making these shows so much fun to do. Shout out to our founding partners, 10 Strike Racing. You know how we love to root for the purple and black around here, as well as the Thoroughbred Retirement Foundation, trfinc.org slash players, the place to go to donate. Some interesting opportunities at the end of the year. If you have any questions about donating stock, anything along those lines, you can reach out directly to Kim Weir or to me, and we'll get that done. This show has been a production of In The Money Media. Our business managers, Breeders' Cup Betting Challenge champion, Drew Coatney, our chief creative officers, Jonathan Kinchin. I'm Peter Thomas Fornital. May you win all your photos.